everyone. My name is Charles, the lead pastor here. Welcome to Zoom Sunday service here at the river. We are so glad you could join us today. Since the new year, we've been going through the Bible, covering all the major characters. And last week, Pastor Allison did a fantastic job introducing Moses to us. And we will be covering Moses for a few weeks here because he is such a major character in the Bible. Tradition has it, Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. That sets up everything that follows. Moses is the lawgiver. Remember the Ten Commandments? On top of that, Moses gave us the 613 rules of the Old Testament that sets up the standards of God that defines Judaism. So today, let's look at the beginning of it all, how the people of God came to receive God's laws. Here it is. And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself idols. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. Exodus chapter 20 verses 1 through 21. This is the beginning of Judaism. This is the Ten Commandments, the old covenant between God and people of faith. The deal was people of God would obey God's rules and God promises to protect and bless them. Now I want to draw your attention to what the people wanted. It says, when the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us or we will die. So they don't want to speak with God. They don't want direct relationship. What they want is rules. The mentality is, just tell us the standards we have to meet. We will obey it, but don't make us interact with God. Because God is scary, mysterious. The passage says God was in thick darkness. You don't know what will happen in thick darkness. It's out of your control. Whereas the rules, the standards, they are solid, concrete, dependable in your control. But this old covenant between God and people, it failed. 
That's why we now have the new covenant. And I believe one big reason why it failed is because it led to wrong conception of sin and righteousness. Sin came to be understood as falling short of the standards. And this concept became so central, people of faith came to rely on the rules of the Bible more than God. In that sense, faith came to resemble more the Greek conception, Confucian conception of sin and righteousness. There are heavenly ideals that define what it means to be righteous and your best. And our life's purpose is to live up to these ideals. And falling short of these commands and ideals is sin. Now this approach is quite appealing to the modern mind. Build a better you. Just like we think exercise is to build a better body, we also think faith is to build a better soul. This is all fine and good. I'm all for building a better self, but this is not the essence of Christian faith. In fact, this approach to faith and morality will guide us wrong often. The Bible is very clear on this. All who rely on observing the law are under a curse. Isn't that interesting? Under a curse. How? Why? Isn't God's laws good? Yes, God's rules are great. It helps you live better. But if you rely on it as your guiding light, as your moral vision, you will be cursed. It will bring great confusion and harm. For example, much of America, especially conservative Christian America, respects and honors General Robert E. Lee. There are thousands of monuments and schools named after him to honor him, especially in the Bible Belt. What a nation chooses to remember and celebrate has profound impact on that nation's character. It becomes a nation's moral vision and guiding light. So why do we honor General Lee so much? Well, he was a devout Christian. There's a quote, There is no question that he was a devout Christian, prayed daily, and attended religious services whenever he could. He read from the Bible daily, and there are countless reports of his troops seeing or coming across Lee kneeling in prayer, particularly before battles. He was the perfect Southern Christian gentleman. He lived up to the code of chivalry, a gentleman warrior, superb general, but he also treated his slaves horribly and gave his life to fighting for the right to hold other human beings as slaves. I mean, he fought tooth and nail for the greatest human trafficking scheme ever known to man. Is it okay to excuse him by saying, well, he was a devout Christian and back then everyone did it. Well, isn't God timeless? Wrong is wrong, isn't it? It's really confusing why so many Christians honor him so much, especially in the Bible Belt. I mean, Al Capone, this mobster in Chicago, killed hundreds of to, to defend his right to rule Chicago as mob boss. 
but he also ran soup kitchens and showed great generosity at times. And back then, mobs were everywhere, like the drug laws in Mexico today. Does that make it okay? Al Capone killed hundreds to defend his right to exploit people. But it's also true that General Lee is responsible for millions of deaths to defend his and his people's right to treat millions of black people like cattle. If we condemn Al Capone, how can we honor General Lee so much? It gets confusing, doesn't it? How do we evaluate devout Christians who seem so righteous like General Lee, who then commits atrocities? How do we evaluate Catholic priests who confess to all the right beliefs, gives their life to the service of God, but abuses kids for decades, or bishops who covered it all? This confusion is due to seeing sin and righteousness from the old covenant mentality. If we hold to the idea of sin in terms of living up to God's rules as individual effort, and the Bible doesn't have clear rules about slavery or drugs, it gets confusing as a guiding light. That's why the old covenant failed. We must stop using it just like the Bible tells us to. So then what should replace it as our moral vision? Through the cross, Jesus gave us the new covenant with new guiding light. We are to have no obligation except the obligation to love unconditionally. For one who loves unconditionally has fulfilled the law. In my opinion, this is the biggest question facing Christians in America today. Will you follow the ways of the old covenant? Or will you follow unconditional love, agape love, as your moral vision? For Christians, the answer is crystal clear. The Bible tells us, you are not under the law, but under grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Let me be clear, I am not against God's laws. They offer great advice for better personal life. But as the guiding light and moral vision? No. God no. Christian moral compass is now agape love, unconditional love is the greatest commandment upon which everything God wants for us hangs. Therefore, we are no longer to think of sin and repentance in terms of, I am failing to meet the standards. Christians are no longer under the law, the standards, right? Instead, measure all your actions by the moral vision of unconditional love. Then you will begin to understand sin and righteousness in different light. We will reject Robert E. Lee as a model, for he did not practice unconditional love. He fought for the right to treat dark-skinned people like cattle. That's not unconditional love, no matter how much of a devout Christian gentleman he was. 
he was not following Christ because he failed to honor the least of these black people at that time as having infinite worth as if they were like Jesus himself Matthew chapter 25 so clearly instructs us Jesus will reject such people as Robert E. Lee as having never known Jesus so he is not to be celebrated and honored by Christians yet so many Christians do this confusion due to lack of clear moral vision on the part of Christians has great impact on the nation last week I was disheartened to read about how fast the church attendance has been declining in the last 20 years Gallup says today less than 50% of Americans are affiliated with church just 20 years ago that figure was more like 70 to 75% but it's dropped below 50% for the first time in American history I believe a big part of why this is happening is because Christianity in America has failed to follow and provide clear moral vision it gets really confusing when you see so-called Christians carrying Jesus flags rioting in capital killing people Christians are now known for being pro-guns pro-Trump anti-vaccine anti-mask anti-abortion and anti-LGBTQ rights you come across headlines like white evangelicals biggest obstacle to herd immunity it's heartbreaking to see Christians insisting on their individual rights so much to the harm of the general community is it really Christian moral vision to say I have my right to reject masks and vaccines never mind if that infects and harms my neighbor how can that be Christian how can it be Christian to say I have my constitutional right to the gun Never mind 1.5 million people have lost their lives to gun violence in the last 50 years compared to virtually none in countries, countries like Korea and Japan which has tight gun control. How can the Christians be the biggest obstacle to masks, vaccines, and gun control that saves lives? There is great confusion today about just what is the moral vision of Christian faith. Jesus taught Christians should turn our cheeks to live for other people's welfare not to insist on our rights. But there is great confusion today because Christian faith has become all about living up to some standard as an individual effort with individual rights and individual responsibilities. That is not Christian faith. That is more like Greek philosophy or Confucianism or Judaism. This confusion does great harm, not only at the national level, but in our daily personal life. A friend of mine recently told me about her brother who is judged by their Asian Christian parents because he and his partner are living together without getting married. I have heard about such situations many times before as an Asian pastor because the Asian Confucian culture considers it a great shame to live together without getting married. It doesn't meet the standards of heaven. 
And when that culture gets mixed in with biblical standards, it becomes a great shame, for they are living in sin. So what happens? The parents put a lot of pressure and shame onto their son, but the son just digs in. Because there are good reasons for what they are doing. Lots of people do it these days. So all that pressure, all that does is to bring tension to the relationship and warps everything. The son and his partner are resolved never to have children because of this pressure. This dynamic is very sad and toxic, but also very common. If you use the moral vision of falling short of some standard, then the parents are right. But if you choose the Christian moral vision of unconditional love, it all gets flipped. It's the parents who are sinning because they are harming their son and his ability to thrive in his most important relationship. They are rejecting essential parts of their children's life. By adhering to arbitrary standards, it is the parents who need to repent because they are not asking who does it harm. They are living by the old covenant. They are still enslaved by the law, the mentality of following standards set by necessities of the times and the culture. That's sin. Yes, in the ancient times, not getting married but living together would result in children born out of wedlock, no birth control back then. And the women and children would not be protected in those cases and that's harmful. In such cases, clearly there are people getting hurt so this would have been sin back then. But today, such arrangements usually don't hurt anyone. Rather, it's the pressure to live up to the old standards that brings harm. And so, unless we live by better moral vision, we will hurt people around us. The parents need to be freed by the gospel to affirm their children's choices and only ask, how can I help you thrive? That's unconditional love. Sometimes that would mean rebuking them if they are hurting themselves or others. Sometimes that would mean affirming them if they can thrive in their choices. We need to spread this better moral vision. One that's surrounding uh, community welfare, others' welfare, what leads to thriving and what leads to harm. That's our mission as Christians. To help everyone including ourselves live with clear moral vision that brings freedom and life and joy and benefit to the whole world. We are not to insist on our rights. We are to think in terms of how to help others. So wear a mask. Get the vaccine. For that helps everyone in community. Don't just insist on your rights. Because as Christians, we have to put other people first. Not about us and how we are not sinning. That's a moral vision best kept by dead people who don't do anything. No, we are alive and God is the God of the living. If and when you can help others but you don't, that's sinning. When there's hate crime and you don't intervene, that's sinning. When you're more obsessed over your own rights than the health of the community, that's sinning that needs to be called out. 
Sin and repentance take on a very different color for true Christians. Imagine a world where everyone only asked, how can I help others thrive? How can I help you thrive? Who does it harm and who does it help? That's the kingdom of God on earth. Let's make this a better world. That's our Christian mission. It's worth making it our purpose in life. Let's do this. Amen. Now, I would love to discuss all this with you, so please stick around for our Zoom Sunday discussions at 11.45. I love seeing your faces and interacting with you, so please join us at 11 for Zoom services or our weekly Zoom groups. God bless everyone. Bye. Thank you.